Hello, New York Rangers fans, and welcome to episode 82 of the New Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Mercagliano of the USA Today Network, and training camp for the 22-23 season is officially open. Here we are recording on Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. I just got back from our first chat of the season with head coach Gerard Gallant. The players have all reported 66 in total who will be participating in training camp this year. They began today, even though I can tell you guys that all of these players, I've been told, were here for quite a bit of time before today. There have been some pretty regular training sessions and skating sessions with a lot of these players. They all seem really geared up, and it sounded like the majority of guys, the vast majority of guys, wanted to get here early and get a head start. They seem itching and ready to go, but they had their physicals today on Wednesday, and their first official practice will take place on Thursday. And I'm also excited about this. They usually, on that first official day on the ice, do a lot of on-ice testing, kind of being timed in different drills and speeds and going from this cone to that cone. It's quite frankly kind of boring to watch, and it makes for a really long day when you have to put 66 players through that all in one day. So for reporters, you end up standing around for hours and hours on those days. That's traditionally what I'm used to on these first days of training camp. But As I mentioned, so many players got here early that I was told all of them have actually completed their on-ice training already. So they are going to get right into practicing and scrimmaging right from day one. So Thursday, the plan is going to be, as well as Friday and Saturday, this is basically the plan for the first three days, they will break the 66 players into three different groups. Two of those groups will scrimmage in the morning, and then the third group will practice in the afternoon, and they will rotate over the course of the three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that is how they will begin training camp. So basically trial by fire. You're going right into real hockey from the beginning, and so that's going to be much more exciting and fun for someone like me to watch. I think much more exciting and fun for you guys from afar to keep track of. Of course, I'll be there. I'll be taking photos and videos and talking to guys and trying to share as much from behind the scenes as I can with you guys. So make sure to, you know, check me out on Twitter and all of that. Maybe I'll try to get the Instagram stuff going, but I get too distracted. Twitter is like my main focus on these days, plus all the stories that I'm working on. And then by the time I think about Instagram, the day's usually over, but maybe we'll, maybe we'll try it this year. I'll keep you guys posted on that. The, the mood around the team, as I touched on, is, is really excellent right now. And of course, you could say that about any team. That's how training camp goes. It's always filled with optimism. Everybody comes in with the same record. Everybody has the same high hopes. But I, I do believe with this group of Rangers, because of the taste of success that they had last season, they are all chomping at the bit and all anxious to really get going this season. And I think that explains why so many of them showed up early. There seems to be a complete buy-in 
just from the sense I'm getting early on. And, you know, again, I have not talked to any players beyond the rookies up to this point, but I have had conversations with Chris Drury and Gerard Gallant and some other people around the team. And it just feels like everybody senses the opportunity that's in front of them. They got so far last year and they want to do whatever it takes to, to get over that hump and ultimately become Stanley Cup champions. There, there's a lot of confidence in the building right now. I definitely sense that with Gerard Gallant today. But he also, I think, wanted to get the message out there that complacency is unacceptable. And so he said, while the experience that they got in the playoffs on that run to the Eastern Conference Final last year, he thinks is going to be critical for especially the young players and, and, and their confidence moving forward and how prepared they're going to be to go through that grind again. But he also said that to him, it doesn't mean much. It's all about what are you going to do next? And he's not worried about setting goals or how many wins they're going to get. He just wants them to make sure that they get into the playoffs and give themselves the best chance possible to do what they did last season again and, of course, go even further. So I think... You know, you, you could sense that he was trying to say, I'm really confident in my team. I like our team a lot. You know, on paper, I think it looks great. But at the same time, we got to go out there and, and we got to prove it. So that's where we're at right now. Hockey is about to start. By the time I talk to you guys again next week, we'll, we will have seen a couple preseason games and the season will, will come rapid. It will come fast. This training camp will only last a few weeks. And then next thing you know, on October 11th, we'll be opening up the season. Now, the final order of business before we completely shift our focus to training camp that I wanted to just touch on at the top of the show, because I think after this I want to move on, that is the trade of Nils Lundqvist, which came down on Monday night. Many of you who follow know that on Friday last week, or actually I should even go a day before that, on Thursday we spoke to Chris Drury. And Drury basically said, I'm not sure if Lundquist is going to report to camp right now. We hope he does. So I reached out to Lundquist's agent, Claude Lemieux. Yes, the Claude Lemieux that many of you will remember from the Devils and uh, one of the most successful probably postseason performers in NHL history back in the 90s and 2000s. I reached out to Lemieux, who is Lundquist's agent, to just check in on, hey, is he going to report or not? Lemieux told me on Friday that definitively Lundqvist was not planning to report. So once that got out there, I think the buzz really picked up as far as what's going to happen with this trade. And it moved rather quickly after that. But the disclaimer is Lemieux also told me, and I know he told others this as well, that they had initially requested a trade back in January when Lundquist was first sent down to the AHL. So Drury did not necessarily move quickly on this. I don't want to paint that picture. I think what he did was he had a certain asking price and he was willing to sit on the player on the asset until a team came around and met that. And with training camp right around the corner, I think the urgency increased I think the urgency also increased when when it became well known that Lundqvist was not going to report to camp and, and was really trying to speed up this process. And then come the Dallas Stars, and they were willing to meet the asking price that Drury had put out there. Now, I do believe that one of the things Drury was looking for was a young center 
who could potentially be a lineup, uh, an option for the lineup. If not this season, then I think at the latest by next season, I think he explored some of those options. But I think the other thing that we see clearly he was willing to do was restock on draft picks. And I, I definitely have come to understand that nothing short of a first round pick was going to get this deal done. And when you think about what the Rangers ended up getting from the stars, they get a first round pick that's top 10 protected for the upcoming 2023 draft. If that pick lands in the top 10, then it would get pushed back to 2024 and that pick would not be top 10 protected. So either way, whether it's this draft or the following draft, the Rangers are getting a first round pick. And then the cherry on top, I I think if he had gotten the first round pick alone, a lot of people would have considered that somewhat of a win. But the cherry on top in this deal was he also got a conditional mid-round pick. The condition is, and this pick is for 2025, so it's a few years away, but the condition is if Lundqvist between this season and next season accumulates 55 points or more, which is a pretty low number when you think about it over the course of two seasons, the Rangers will get a third round pick in the 2025 draft. If Lundqvist comes in under 55 points, then it's a fourth round pick. But either way, a pretty good way to to finish off that trade. Again, I think if it was a first round pick alone, Most people wouldn't have batted an eye at that. A lot of people would have felt like it was a pretty good return. But to get the first round pick and then what probably feels like it should be a third round pick at the worst is fourth round pick on top of that, that's pretty good. And you have to be impressed, I think, with some of these trades that Drury has made since that initial Pavel Buchnevich trade to the St. Louis Blues. I know that is going to be a trade that for Rangers fans will always sting, especially if Buch keeps up his highly productive ways in St. Louis. He was pretty much a point per game player for them last year. So I think that one will always sting Rangers fans, even if Sammy Blay ends up becoming a really important player. And we're going to have more on him in, in just a few minutes. So I understand why that trade will always be a tough pill for Rangers fans to swallow. But if you look ahead and look at what Drury did at the trade deadline last year, where you could argue that he went four for four in bringing in Andrew Kopp, Frank Vetrano, Tyler Mott, and Justin Braun, who all played important roles in the playoffs. I don't believe the Rangers would have made it to the Eastern Conference Final had they not brought those players in. And then you look at what he did in a couple situations this past summer that many would look at and say, well, the Rangers don't have much leverage here. And Drury was still able to find ways to get good returns for not only Lundqvist, who I think a lot of people, when you think about, okay, this is a guy who's demanding a trade and wants out and isn't going to show up for training camp. Everybody around the league knows that the Rangers aren't going to be able to get him to come in. So what can they possibly get for him to be able to pull out what Drury did in that situation is impressive, but also the Alexander Georgiev trade. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion that they weren't going to be able to sign him to a new contract. And even with all that going on, they were able to get a package of valuable draft picks from the Colorado Avalanche for him. And with that Lundqvist trade and with the Georgiev trade, what the Rangers have done is restocked their draft picks. Because to get those four players that I mentioned at the trade deadline, they had to give away six draft picks. In a lot of ways, they gutted what had been built up 
with all these draft picks in the last few years, and they were looking at a couple lean drafts where maybe they were going to have to go with four or five picks in, in some of these years. But now, between those two trades, they're once again looking at a pretty decent cupboard of draft capital that they can use in a variety of different ways. For the upcoming draft, assuming that they were to get that first-round pick from the Stars this year, they're going to have seven picks again, including two first-rounders. So what does that do? Well, you could sit there and use those picks, and you could refuel your prospect pool, which has had a lot of guys graduate, and now you might want to backfill and get some younger guys in who you can look to the future for and maybe potentially have on some cheap entry-level contracts, which we know because of the Rangers' salary cap situation they're going to need, especially when you look at the center position, which we've talked about before, is definitely the most glaring area of need in their pipeline. This draft coming up is considered really, really talented. So you you could definitely sit with those two first-round picks and probably come away with two players who you're excited about the possibilities with. But also, on the other hand, what do those draft picks do if the Rangers are in a position where they want to strike at this trade deadline? Well, it gives them the ammunition to go out there and maybe make something happen. So it gives them possibilities. It gives them options. I could definitely see them using one or two of the draft picks in this upcoming draft, including maybe one of those first rounders to go out and make a big move at the trade deadline. If there's a piece that they covet and that they feel like can help put them over the top, you could also say, well, if they keep those picks, they're in a really good position because getting two first rounders in a draft that's considered one of the better ones in however many years is also going to be really valuable for you. So the Rangers come out of this in a good position. I I do believe that you can look at this trade as a pretty good bit of business for Drury, all things considered. And the last thing that I'll say on, on how things ended, just to kind of put a bow on this, I've seen lots of questions from fans, email, Twitter, all that, about the Rangers' handling of prospects. And does Lundquist requesting this trade signal a larger problem? I do believe, and I want to express this to you guys, that you have to look at each situation as an individual case. Now, if we go back to last year, and even the the problems that existed with Vitaly Kratsov before last year, I do think that there were some pretty obvious missteps in the way that they handled Kratsov and lessons to be learned and things that you could criticize them about. I, I don't think that that situation needed to get to the point where it got to, and I think that they could have done things to prevent it. But I, I've made calls on on this Lundquist stuff and poked around on it quite a bit and, and just have a pretty decent knowledge of, of everything that's happened with him in the last year or two. And I haven't found any evidence of any kind of, of major beef between him and the organization or abuse or, or anything like that at all. It, it sounds like a situation where he saw the writing on the wall, meaning the Rangers prioritized Braden Schneider over him, and he was going to be the third right-handed defenseman. On top of, you know, you have established guys in Adam Fox and Jacob Truba on the top two pairs, and especially with Fox being a power play guy, which we know is in an ideal situation where Lundqvist would like to play. And I think he decided he'd be better off elsewhere. 
I, I can't begrudge the player for that. He has every right to assess his situation, and if he wants out, make that request. The Rangers don't have to grant that request, but he has every right to make it. And I don't think that fans should be piling on him or name-calling. I think that's kind of become an unfortunate, trendy thing to do in these situations. Everybody has every right to express what their desires are as far as their career is concerned. You have the right, and so do these NHL players, even though when they do it, it, it's obviously much more public. But while Lundqvist has the right to ask for the trade, I, I can't at this point, at least, unless there's some kind of information that I'm not privy to, pinpoint any glaring mistake that the Rangers made in this situation. Now, some people will say, well, you know, how is he supposed to succeed playing with a guy like Patrick Nemeth, who obviously we saw over the course of the season struggled and ultimately got traded because he simply, you know, wasn't good enough to be in this Rangers lineup on a consistent basis. But let's not forget this. He was signed in the first place in large part because the Rangers were attempting to help Lundqvist adjust. Nemeth is Swedish. Lundqvist is Swedish. They thought there might be a level of comfort in pairing him with a veteran who had been through the playoffs before, who had played on a few different teams, who had been around, who could help him assimilate in his first season here in New York, speak Swedish, all of those different things that they felt like would help Lundqvist be more comfortable. So while the signing ended up being a mistake. It was made with good intentions, and part of those intentions was to help Lundqvist. So I don't think that the Rangers did anything overt or anything glaring that I would say, wow, they really screwed that up with Lundqvist, and they deserve a whole lot of blame for that situation. Again, Kratzoff, if we want to rehash all that, which we've done on this podcast before, so I'm not going to go too crazy or too deep into it right now, but I think that situation, there was warranted criticism. With this Lundqvist thing, I just don't know if I can sit here and say, I I think they made some big error here. I I think that would be disingenuous of me, at least given the information that I have at this point. So that is how I would kind of wrap that up and put a bow on it. It's unfortunate because we know that at this time last year, a lot of people considered him the number one prospect in the organization. There were very high hopes for him. But listen, the Rangers have Adam Fox. And Adam Fox, I believe, and I think most people around the league believe, is a better player than Nils Lundqvist. You know, maybe Lundqvist ends up being a really good player. Maybe he ends up being an all-star caliber player. But Adam Fox is a guy who already has a Norris Trophy on his resume. So with Adam Fox here, you know that Lundqvist was not going to be a top pair guy and he was not going to be a top power play guy. So he was not going to play the role that he wanted to play. You have Jacob Trouba here who signed to a big contract and is now the captain of this team. And again, for better or for worse, the Rangers prioritize Braden Schneider over Lundqvist. They feel that he fits what they need as far as the toughness and the physicality and the defense as they move forward, especially because they already have an offensive guy like Fox. They've got more guys like Zach Jones who could potentially add some some offensive skill from the blue line. So all of these factors are, I think, what ultimately added up to, to this trade happening. And I think the Rangers did pretty well in the trade and it's one of those things that, that just didn't work out, but not every prospect is going to work out. I know we have high hopes for all of them, but every situation plays out differently. And now what you have is you have a couple of prospects who are still here, who remain in the organization, who have a chance, what sounds like a legitimate chance to compete and play next to Schneider 
on that bottom pair. Of course, I'm talking about Zach Jones and Matthew Robertson. Gerard Gallant spoke about them a little bit today. He said training camp will decide which guy gets the job. He he classified it as wide open. He also said that he does not look at age as a factor for those guys, that if they play enough to win the job, they will get the job. So, of course, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if he's true to his word on that. But I think it would be a mistake for the Rangers to go any other direction. I think it has to be Jones or Robertson. These are prospects that they think highly of, and I think they need to find out what they have in them. And the depth beyond them, quite frankly, is questionable now that Lundqvist is gone. The Rangers signed 34-year-old Matt Barkowski, who bounced around the league quite a bit. He really hasn't played much in the NHL in the last few seasons, dating back to like the 18-19 season. He really has not been an NHL guy. He was in the AHL last season. So I, I don't see him as a real viable option to be in the lineup. You've got Libor Hayek. You've got Jared Tenorti. You've got Andy Walensky. You know, maybe a long shot as Hunter Skinner later in the season. He, he's probably the best remaining right-handed prospect that the Rangers have. But ultimately, I think this job comes down to Jones and Robertson, with Jones being the guy who you look at as the favorite going into camp. And, and Gallant didn't say anything to make you think otherwise today. I wrote this week for loha.com slash sports slash Rangers for one of my training camp previews, 10 questions that I had in mind going into this camp. And what I kind of laid out in there, I talked about a lot of individual players and things like that. But as far as training camp battles, there's not that much there. And as far as the line combinations, I found it kind of interesting that Gallant revealed quite a bit today. And and that's where I want to transition to now. We talked to Gerard Gallant today. I pulled some audio, some clips from that press conference that I found interesting. I've done this on some podcasts in the past. I'm going to play them for you guys now. You'll hear what Gallant had to say on this topic, and then I will give my reaction to it afterwards. And the first clip that you're going to hear here is Gallant being asked specifically about the depth at right wing, but also he had been asked some questions about the line combinations. And he revealed that, number one, Alexi Lafreniere will begin camp on left wing, not on right wing. I'll give you some reaction to that in just a moment. But he also cautioned everybody that, you know, these are subject to change. So here is what Gallant had to say about the lines to start camp. What does your depth chart look like on the right wing to start camp? Who's on the right side? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, we're going to, I put some lines together and you guys are going to look at them tomorrow and say, that first line, second line, third line, the lap you're going to play left wing. This is what we're doing for the first three days. There's some pro lines together, the lines that you guys are familiar with, and we'll go from there after three days. Once the training camp or the exhibition games start, you're going to see different people in different spots. So I, I, I can't say the first game of the season against Tampa, what the lines are going to be, you know, but uh, you're going to see some different, you know, some familiar com- familiar combinations tomorrow. The lap will be on the left. Left side. Left side. Tomorrow. 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 Yeah. Then you can change your Friday. Yeah. No. It's. I just yeah. those first three games you put teams together and there's you know just line combinations there. Phil, Laffy, and uh, Capo. All right. So there you have it. The kid line will remain together. That would be Alexi Lafreniere, Philip Heedle, and Capo Caco at least to start camp. And I think 
I think Gerard Gallant has learned through his first year of dealing with the New York media and fans and all that, that he, he wants to make sure to give himself that out, give himself that disclaimer so that people know that this could get changed and it very well may get changed. It's probably likely that it gets changed. If you think back to training camp last year, the Rangers opened with a top line of Kreider, Zabanajad, and Lafreniere on right wing, and they went through training camp with that. They opened the season with that, but it, it didn't last very long. It was only a few games into the season that they, they decided to change it. They went back to it later in the season. Then they went back away from it later in the season. So Gerard Gallant definitely is not shy about changing his lines when he thinks the team needs it. But I also think it's telling that this is the starting point because no matter what kind of you know disclaimer he gives us or no matter what he says about he could change it, and again, I think it's very likely that they will get changed at some point, but what he's showing us on day one is certainly going to be what, at least at this point, on paper, in his mind, he believes are the best combinations. So if these combinations work, then you have to imagine that they're going to stay together. And it's a little bit of a surprise to me. We talked about this on previous episodes. I, I know that I, I feel like I'm seeing this, especially from fans today with their reaction. There's a good portion of the fan base that wants to see the kid line together, understandably so. They were really, really good for the Rangers in the playoffs last season. You can see the chemistry that they have together. It's it's definitely an exciting thing to watch these three former first-round draft picks play together on one line. And if they can continue that confidence that they built in the playoffs, then that could be a real boost, a real good thing for the Rangers. But the reason that I felt like they might go away from it, and I think the cause for maybe some concern depending on the usage now, is how much are those guys going to play? Gallant, a lot of times last season, really leaned heavily on the top two lines, and even when that kid line was going really well in the playoffs, they still were playing like 13, maybe 14 minutes a night. As these young players progress, and I think Lafreniere in particular is the guy that you feel like has the highest upside as a former number one overall pick, really seemed to be coming into his own at the end of the season last year, could be poised for a breakout season this year, you'd like to see him challenged. You'd like to see him get more of an opportunity, more responsibility, yes, more ice time. And in order to do that, he probably eventually needs to play in the top six as well as get a little more time on the power play. And when you look at that right wing depth chart right now, without Lafreniere on the right side, it looks really kind of questionable. So I thought for all of those reasons that it would have made sense. And especially because you know Lafreniere has great respect for Kreider and Zabanajad. Those guys have been mentors to him. I think probably more so than anybody else on the roster. I think he really looks to those two guys to emulate and lean on and get advice from. And they definitely seem to have some chemistry when they played together last season. I thought that because of the blockade in front of Lafreniere at left wing, specifically Artemi Panarin and Chris Kreider, that for him to get in the top six, he was ultimately going to have to switch to the right side. That still may be the case. If you were to ask me, 
Today, on September 21st, do I believe that Alexi Lafreniere will play right wing at any point this season? My answer would be yes. But for now, that is not the direction that Gerard Gallant has decided to go, and that certainly was a point of intrigue going into this press conference today. So he came right out and said it. I appreciate the honesty. Uh, he knows we were all going to see it with our own eyes on, on Thursday morning and then it would have been tweeted and then it would have gotten reactions at that point anyway. So he kind of got out ahead of it and gave us a story a day early. But that is the way that the Rangers are going to start things. And again, it's all subject to change. But my main thing with this kid line now is – Keeping them together, I don't think is a bad idea, but I'd like to see more even distribution of ice time between the top three lines if that's going to be the case. You know, if you're going to play the top two lines, if those guys are going to be getting 18, 19, 20 minutes a night, and the kid line is still only going to be getting 12, 13, 14, well, I don't think that's that's the best way to develop these kids, especially given their playoff performance. They earned more responsibility, I believe, especially Lafreniere and Heedle with the way that they played in the playoffs. So I want to see how that shakes out. How does the usage work out from here? And then the other thing that I think is going to be a big question mark moving forward is because you're keeping the kid line together, that means you're putting some guys in the top six who either haven't necessarily earned it yet or you have to question, are they really top six players on a championship contending team? Gallant also revealed today that now the top line to start will be Kreider, Zabanajad, and Sammy Blay, who has played more left wing in his career but has played some right wing, will play right wing on that top line to start things off. He also told us that Blay is 100% coming off of that ACL surgery and will be fully ready to go for the practices and the scrimmages right out of the gate. So that's an encouraging sign for sure. And then on the second line with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek, he revealed that Vitaly Kratsov is going to be the guy to start camp on the second line. So that to me was another really interesting bit of news to come out of this press conference. And that is where I want to go with this next clip. Kratzoff, last year, we know he left. You didn't see him all year. Mm -hmm. How do you view where he's at coming into this camp? And it sounds like he's going to get a pretty big opportunity off the bat. Well, he came in here in early July, wasn't it, Ryan? Yes. And he started working out and skating. He's made a a big effort to come come here and work hard and uh, do the things that we that we want him for our team. You know, I talked to him a little bit about a month ago, and I just basically said to him, I said, there's opportunity here. We want you to be a good player on our team, but you got to take it. You know, we're not going to give you nothing. You've seen how our team played last year. That's what we expect from every player. So he was really good. He was really good. He worked hard. Everything, the reports I got from everybody around here said he'd been real positive, and he looks good on the ice. So good opportunity for him. So there you hear Gallant echoing a lot of the stuff that we were hearing this summer about Kratzoff being fully committed, arriving early, working really hard to sort of get back in the Rangers' good graces and prove that he is all in on making things work and playing in the NHL this upcoming season. And listen, we just talked about it. This guy is going to start camp on the second line. To me, That is another element of surprise in this whole thing. You know, I I thought 
that moving Lafreniere to right wing to get him more ice time and to play him with Zabanajad and Kreider was something that they would give strong consideration to. And I thought that part of the thinking there would be they didn't want to necessarily gift Kratzoff a spot in the top six right out of the gate. Now, they're starting him on the second line right out of the gate, which is, as Gallant said, a huge opportunity for him. But I also think Gallant was sending the message there. He said nothing is going to be handed to him. So if Gallant doesn't like what he sees from Kratzoff over the course of this camp, that, I think, could ultimately be what results in the in the lines being shaken up if that happens. If Kratzoff isn't getting the job done there, then I think either Kako moves up or Lafreniere switches to the right side, and, and then you've got new line combinations at that point. But Kratzoff coming into camp, this is, I think, potentially a big confidence booster for him, a big morale booster for him, and it sends a pretty clear signal that the Rangers are looking at this guy as a no-doubt-about-it player for them this season. I'm very curious to see how the chemistry and, and everything works between him and Panarin and Trocek. We're already wondering how are things going to work with Panarin and Trocek. We know that Panarin had played almost exclusively with Ryan Strom for the last season, so Trocek coming in brings a new dynamic to that line. And then on top of that, now you've got Kratzoff, a guy who less than a year ago we thought would probably never be seen in a Rangers jersey again. And now here he is playing with their leading scorer, arguably their best player in Artemi Panarin. Those guys, I believe, have a pretty decent relationship from what I understand. Obviously, they have the Russian connection. Maybe the Rangers believe that there's some level of comfort in playing Kratzoff on the same line with Panarin. Kratzoff, a lot of people that I talked to felt like really made a concerted effort in the last couple seasons to, on top of being the skilled, creative player that we've heard about for years, he's a big dude also. He's six foot three, over 200 pounds. And if you look at where a lot of his goals were scored in the KHL the last couple seasons, a lot of them came in those quote unquote dirty areas around the net, in the slot. He seems much more willing to, to work his way in there. The Rangers believe he's gotten stronger. And having a guy who can get inside on the same line as a guy like Panarin, who we know likes to, to work his magic and, and do a lot of passing on the perimeter, well, maybe the Rangers think that will be a good mesh. And, and now Kratzoff is right here in front of him. If he can seize this opportunity, that will be huge for him that will set his career off that will be huge for the Rangers but you know if this doesn't work out he ends up getting moved down the lineup you also have to wonder how he will react to that so I think he has to feel really good about the Rangers putting him in that spot right off the bat but now you want to see how it plays out from here I'm a little surprised that he didn't start on the third line for example, and sort of have to work his way up, play well, and then you move up in the lineup. No, the Rangers are saying, listen, despite all that we've been through here, you're going right in there with our leading scorer on our second line, a top six forward for us right off the bat. What are you going to do with that opportunity? It's a challenge to him, no doubt about it, but I think it's also maybe a bit of an olive branch, if you will. I think it's it's a way for maybe them to continue mending this relationship. But 
again, you know, if it doesn't work out, you want to see how things how things go from there. You, you hope that he'll be able to take things in stride and that, you know, th- they've gotten past the issues that they had in the past. But right now, off the bat, to hear Gallant say that Kratzoff will play on the second line, I was a little surprised by that. And, and I think it adds another element of intrigue for these Rangers. So that there you have it. Those top three lines, at least what we're going to see from the start, we know what they're going to be. The fourth line, I think, will be built around Barclay Goudreau. He could play center. He could play on the wings. Little note on him that Gallant mentioned today. He will participate in practices right off the bat for the Rangers, but he will not participate in those first three scrimmages. Gallant said that dates back to the broken ankle that we know he suffered in the playoffs last year. He also came back from that ankle injury really quickly, I think was playing through pain. uh, And just, I mean, you know, you can't say enough about the toughness the guy showed by doing that. But he also then, if you guys remember, took another slap shot off that same ankle in the series against Tampa Bay, which I know was excruciating for him. And so Gallant said to make sure there are no lingering effects from that, they want to ease Gaudreau in. So you won't see him in those scrimmages in these first few days, but you have to believe if those top nine forwards that we discussed stay in the top nine, the fourth line is built around Gaudreau, and then you just kind of figure out who's going to play with him. Ryan Carpenter, Ryan Reeves, Dryden Hunt, Jimmy VC does a young kid like Will Cooley make a push? I mean, I really, as far as training camp battles, that's about all there is besides that that sixth defenseman spot. Fourth line and sixth defenseman. Everything else, while the line combos could change, the players that are going to be relied on, for the most part, we know who they are at this point. So with that, let's get to our final clip from Gallant. And just to set this one up a little bit, Gallant was basically asked if it's sustainable for the Rangers to rely on Igor Shosturkin to put up the kind of numbers and have the kind of success that he did last season when he won the Vesna Trophy. And Gallant's response is kind of funny at first. You'll hear him joke a little bit about not only Shosturkin, but Chris Kreider and, and, and his goal-scoring prowess last season. But then he came back after that to a theme that I, I heard a couple times in this press conference and that I want to discuss with you guys. So, so here's this final clip. Can you expect a 935 save percentage or a Yes. Yes. And I expect Kreider to get 52 goals. And <laughs> No, I expect their team to be better in all areas, to be honest with you. Like I said, those kids have got another year under their belt. And I'm not blaming the kids for, you know, 17 scoring chances against and some of the numbers that you see are numbers that aren't great. But we're, we're not a young team anymore. We're getting a little more experience. And, you know, the kids are 22, 23, and 21 now instead of 19 and 20 and 21. So they're, they're growing. Keandre Miller's, uh, you know, getting to be a man now. So you've seen the growth of those kids in the second half of the season and the playoffs. So I think they'll all be better players, and that'll benefit our hockey team. So this is a topic that I've touched on a little bit in the past. I think you're going to hear it brought up repeatedly not only throughout training camp, but also throughout the season. So I won't take up too much of your time on it right now. But to me, and to I think a lot of you and a lot of observers, and Gallant made this clear because, again, he brought up the kids and how important it is for them to take another step this season multiple times during this press conference. But that is the key to the Rangers, ultimately, I feel like, if they are going to win a Stanley Cup. This is what needs to happen for them. 
we've talked about the salary cap. We've talked about the core of players that they've given long-term commitments to. I wrote about this this week. If you look at eight guys in particular, that would be Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider, Goudreau, Fox, Truba, Shesterkin, and Trocheck. now. Those eight players account for well over 70% of the Rangers' available salary cap space going into this season. So what that leaves you is 20-something percent in salary cap space to fill out the entire rest of your roster. And, And what do you need to make that happen? You need a lot of bargains. And that's where a guy like Kratzoff comes in, and Lafreniere, and Kako, and Hedl, and Keandre Miller, and Braden Schneider, and Zach Jones. These guys that are young, controllable, cheap, and very talented, the Rangers, to ultimately accomplish their goals, are going to need not all of those guys, but a good chunk of those guys to turn into impact players for them. And we saw a lot of glimpses of it last season. We saw a lot of strides made from those players. Miller, I think, is really coming to him his own as a potential star in this league. You saw Lafreniere and Hedl especially take off in the playoffs. The Rangers love what they're getting from Schneider and believe that the best is yet to come with him. Kratzoff, as we talked about, a big question mark, but there's upside there. I think same thing you could say about Jones. What do these guys become? And even further down the line, if you want to talk about Brennan Othman and Will Cooley and, and, and some of the prospects who have yet to arrive. But those guys, a lot of those names that I just hit on, who are likely to play for the Rangers this season, they need them to become key contributors. Like you, you look at the point production for guys like Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako in the seasons that they've played, they're lackluster. They're, there's no way to sugarcoat that. And for the Rangers to become a deeper team, to become a more balanced team, to take some of the pressure off of guys like Panarin and Zabanajad and Fox, all those guys got to step up, or at least a lot of those guys have to step up. And that definitely seemed to be a message that Gallant wanted to get across today. He's hoping that the experience that they got last year, seeing what the playoff push and a playoff run is all about, will benefit them moving forward. You have to believe that it will. And now I think one of the most exciting parts about this season is getting to continue to see those kids grow, see what they have in store, see what they can become. So with that, we're going to end this segment of the program. We will definitely have more on all the kids in the coming weeks going to be in the locker rooms again, going to get a chance to talk to them all. I'm sure I'll have multiple stories on all of these guys, not just throughout training camp, but going into the season. And again, I think this is a theme that I'm going to come back to is the core. It's on them, those veteran guys, those high paid guys. It's on them to lead. It's on them to be the stars. It's on them to carry a lot of the weight, but the kids, if they can offset that, if they can take some of the pressure off those guys, the Rangers' chances of, of winning a Stanley Cup, which we all know is the ultimate goal, they increase exponentially. So that is our final word here. And now let's get to your Twitter questions. Oh. 
All right. I just sorted through a bunch of the questions, and honestly, a lot of them are topics that we hit on already. A lot of people wanted to talk about Lafreniere. A lot of people wanted to talk about the kid line. A lot of people wanted to talk about Kratzoff's opportunity, Lundquist, line combinations. We, we talked about all that stuff already. So I picked out three questions here that I think are somewhat different and, and hopefully will be a little more informative and change up the pace a little bit. And the first one is definitely a question I don't think we've talked about this summer. And that comes from Joseph Hazar, who asked, who gets PK time? Asked me to name six forwards and four defensemen. So what will the penalty kill look like this season? We know the Rangers had a really effective penalty kill last year. But they lost some guys who, especially at the end of the year, were playing pretty key roles on that, specifically Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott. They also lost Ryan Strom, who wasn't a big PK guy for them, but definitely got some PK minutes for them last season. So when you look at the forwards, there are certainly some spots to fill. Greg McKegg is another guy who they used on the PK at times last season. So who steps up to fill those roles? I think the top four forwards, the four guys that will get used the most, are pretty obvious. We saw Zibanejad and Kreider take on a role as a duo last season. We know about how close those guys are, their bond, not only on the first line at five on five, not only on the power play, but it also translated to the penalty kill last season. And they produced, I don't have the number in front of me, but I know it was at least a few shorthanded goals. They were really dynamic together. Zabanajad has been a go-to penalty killer for the Rangers for years, but Kreider hadn't really done it much before and stepped up, seemed to get more and more comfortable in that role. I know Gallant really liked him there, being able to use his speed. And when either one of those guys were able to get a hold of a puck, it turned into a rush opportunity really quickly and their skill showed up in a big way and and their chemistry and the way that they were able to convert. So I think Gallant will want to keep those guys together and hope that they can fish for some more shorthanded goals this season. And and I think the other duo that you're likely to see is Barclay Gaudreau, who I know some people would argue is the Rangers' best penalty killer as far as forwards, and then Vincent Trocek. The Rangers brought him in because they love how well-rounded his game is and penalty killing is a part of that. He did it for the Carolina Hurricanes, who tended to have one of the better PKs in the league, and I would fully expect that you'll see Vincent Trocek on the penalty kill for the Rangers. So I I could very easily envision a Goudreau-Trocek duo as far as the forwards are concerned on the penalty kill. But if you're looking to go six deep, which we know you need to be able to do, Then who do you pick? I think the obvious guy is Ryan Carpenter. Actually, Gerard Gallant brought him up today at the press conference and specifically mentioned that he can kill penalties for them. So Carpenter, I believe, has a strong chance of being in the lineup. We were talking about that fourth line before, and Gaudreau is obviously going to be there. You you know he's going to be in the lineup every night. I think Carpenter has a really good chance of being another guy who plays pretty consistently on the fourth line, not only because he kills penalties, but also because he can he can play center and take faceoffs and do those kind of things. I know the Rangers value him from a defensive standpoint. So Carpenter, I think you could definitely see being the fifth guy there. The sixth guy, though, 
is a pretty big question mark. And this is where, if a guy like Jimmy VC has a chance to shake things up and make this roster, I believe a big feather in his cap will be that the Rangers like him as a penalty killer. Chris Jury brought that up when we spoke to him last week and asked why he decided to bring in VC on a PTO. He said their scouts really liked the role that he played for the Devils last year. And if you look at the role that he played for the Devils last year, it was not a scoring role. It was a, a bottom six, fourth line kind of role, and it was killing penalties. Now, you think back to VC's time in New York, when he first came up, he was considered a forward with upside and that you thought might be able to score and do some of those things. That has not materialized at the NHL level, but the Rangers brought him in because they see him as a veteran guy who they can trust defensively and who can kill penalties. So if the Rangers really feel like they need to have someone in the lineup that they trust as that sixth penalty killer. Now, listen, the top two duos are going to play the most. You can probably go through a two-minute penalty and only use the two sets of forwards, but if those guys are gassed or if one of them is in the penalty box or, or anything gets shaken up, if there's multiple penalties in a game, you're going to need those fifth and sixth guys to play. Carpenter, as I said, can be one of them, but if the Rangers really feel like they want a guy that's reliable in that sixth spot... I believe they would look to VZ in that role, and, and maybe he ends up sneaking onto the onto the roster and sneaking into the lineup for that reason. If VZ does not make the lineup, which I don't think is necessarily a foregone conclusion, I don't even know if it's better than 50%. It might be under as far as I'm concerned. If he doesn't make that spot, then somebody is going to need to be developed that can kill penalties in a pinch for you. And what we saw last year during the preseason was Gallant experimented a bit with both Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere on the penalty kill. So I fully expect that during this camp, you're going to see Caco and Lafreniere get some looks on the PK. And if you go into the season and VC doesn't make the team or doesn't make the lineup, then I think it's probably going to have to be one of those guys, Caco or Lafreniere, who ends up as the sixth and final forward killing penalties for the Rangers. So that would be my best guess at this time. I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out at camp. The defense side of this, though, is easy. You know that the top four guys are going to play, Fox, Lindgren, Miller, and Truba. And I think that if one of those guys is in the box or if Fox, they want to give him a breather and cut down on his minutes, which I think that they should proactively try to do, then I think obviously Braden Schneider is going to be the guy who steps in and gets some PK time as well. The defense thing is pretty easy to figure out. Any of those top five guys, I think the Rangers would feel comfortable putting out there in a penalty kill situation. All right, let's get to the next question, which comes from Eric Voss, who wrote, who is your dark horse prospect to surprise and make the team out of camp? So, this might come off as kind of a lame answer. I do believe that Zach Jones is probably going to be the prospect who ends up making camp. I mean, making the team, I should say, and, and winning that sixth spot on the defense and pairing with Braden Schneider on the bottom pair. But my dark horse, if you can call it that, is Matthew Robertson, who a lot of people, I believe, are downplaying his chances. Jones... No argument here is the favorite, 
But I think that if Robertson has a good camp and outplays Jones, he'll be the guy. I, I think that there's a lot of reasons to believe that Gerard Gallant will favor him if he does enough to win the job because of his size, because of his defense. He's ahead of Jones in that area, most people believe. And Gallant, to me, we saw it with him wanting Schneider over Lundquist last year, might want to go with the safer bet. And the safer bet in his eyes could very well end up being the guy who's bigger, stronger, and more reliable defensively. So it would not surprise me in the slightest if Robertson wins the job. I think it's Jones's job to lose. If you ask me to make a prediction right now, Jones is my guy. You've seen it play out already in the last couple seasons. He was the guy who got a look two seasons ago. He was the guy who got a look last season. He's played 22 NHL games. Meanwhile, the Rangers have elected not to give Matthew Robertson a look in the NHL yet. So based on that usage, that tells you that they believe Jones is ahead of Robertson. But that narrative could change over the course of this training camp if Robertson plays really well. So that, I believe, is somewhat of a legitimate battle. And I would call Robertson probably, if you're looking for a quote-unquote dark horse, I think he would be my guy. If you don't want to talk about the competition on defense, because obviously everyone's looking at that as the maybe one and only training camp battle outside of the fourth line, my sleeper would probably have to be Will Cooley. I think it's unlikely that he makes the team. I think it's very likely that they start him with Hartford and let him get his feet wet there, see how he does, and then look to him later in the season as a call-up candidate. But Cooley projects as a guy with his size and the, the fact that he seems to be, at least from a physical standpoint, NHL ready. He's a guy that I think if he had a really good camp and maybe an injury happened or something like that, could force his way into the mix. And he definitely projects as a guy who not only would fit what the Rangers are looking for from their fourth line, but also would have some more offensive upside. He was a big-time point producer in the OHL last season and would be an exciting addition, I think, especially when you're looking at some of the other options like Carpenter and VZ, who could play on the fourth line, and Dryden Hunt. There's more upside with Will Cooley. So Will Cooley, if you're looking for another dark horse outside of the defenseman competition, I think Cooley would be my guy. All right, final question comes from Andrew Sicali. I hope I'm saying that right, Andrew. I'm sorry if I'm messing that up. His question is, what is your favorite part about covering the Rangers? And there's a lot I love about this job. I think I've mentioned this before. I grew up dreaming about writing about sports. I always loved to write, and I always absolutely loved sports. I was, as a kid, at you know eight, nine, ten years old, jotting down depth charts and writing up mock articles. And I just, I was always fascinated by this stuff. I was always fascinated by the inner workings of a franchise and how personnel decisions are made and trades and free agency. And, and I, I watch all kinds of games, always watched a ton of hockey, ton of football, ton of baseball. So writing about sports is a dream for me. So just the, the sitting down and being able to write about this stuff and analyze this stuff alone. I absolutely love that part about the job. I love being at the games, feeling the energy, being able to watch live sports is such a thrill. The traveling is is definitely a great part of the job. I mean, it, it comes with its pros and cons, though, for sure. I've mentioned to you guys, you know, now with my son and everything, how difficult that can be. So the traveling is exciting. I love to travel, but there are definitely 
parts about it that are a grind and parts about it where you feel like you're missing stuff at home. So all of that stuff under consideration, this is going to sound cheesy, but I have to say my favorite part about the job is you guys, the interactions with the fans. If I were putting all this work into writing, putting all this work into traveling and, and being at all these games and nobody was paying attention or nobody was reading or nobody was engaging and interacting, it wouldn't be nearly as fun. You know, it was fun for me to write those mock articles when I was home as a, as a fifth grader or whatever it was, but that was just for me and, you know, maybe I would get my mom to read it or something. Knowing that the stuff I put out there is getting consumed, is getting read by you guys, that you guys are listening to the podcast, that you guys are checking the Twitter feed, that you guys are doing all that kind of stuff, and being able to, as much as I can at least, interact with you guys and and respond and, and tweet back at you or email back at you or write about a topic that I know you're interested in, that stuff is what absolutely gives me the biggest thrill. And that's why as often as I can on this podcast, I like to thank you guys for listening and for engaging and for reading and for all that. It means the world to me to know that of all the options out there, what you could be doing with your free time, that you're choosing to, to listen to the podcast or read a story that I wrote. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, is the most exciting part of the job for me. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me striving to get better. That's what keeps me up at night thinking about what story I'm going to do next or you know what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. All that drives me to be the best that I can be. And, and that's, that's thanks to you guys. So again, that probably sounds cheesy, but if you ask me about my favorite part of the job, there's a lot of things that I love about this job, you know, getting to know different people, whether it's players or people in the organization or other reporters or even, even agents. I mean, agents can be interesting to deal with, but some of them have been very helpful and welcoming and all that. So I, I definitely get to meet a lot of cool people. That is another great part of the job that I absolutely should mention, but the fans, you guys, the people who are passionate about this, your passion fuels me. Your passion drives me to do the best that I can with this job. And that to me is the most rewarding part of it. So with that, that little lovey-dovey ending there, we're going to call it a podcast. It's been a good one, I think. Hit on a lot of different stuff. I, I waited until the end of the day to record because I wanted to have that that press conference with Gallant and, and react to some of that stuff and be able to share some audio from that. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next week, recording on Wednesday, coming out on Thursday. Once again, the Rangers are going to have preseason games on Monday and Tuesday. So next week's going to be a lot of reaction to that, a lot of insight into what I've seen so far at training camp. But for now, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. I hope you guys are locked into this training camp stuff. I'm going to be doing a lot of writing in the next couple of days and weeks and months and all that. So I hope you guys are enjoying all of that. Much, much more to come. But for now, take care, be well, and I will talk to you next week.